I'm a grind and What's up everybody, my name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. As always, I'm Sid, and what's going on, Reg? Man, sports time, baby. Well overdue, like always. Always, like I said, we we working on changing that, getting getting <laughs> back to getting back to a regular schedule, hopefully soon. Right. Uh, so today we're going to kick off with the NBA offseason. Uh, man, to be honest, it's about to go back on the back burner uh, for the next six months. Real so, <laughs> so yeah, so let's give it let's give it some 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 glorification right now because after this, it's gonna be mostly football. Uh, for us going forward, um, at least the majority of our shows are as well. Um, so let's start off talking about our teams. I want to start off with the New Orleans Pelicans, <laughs> who started off the offseason with a trade that um, I think a lot of NBA fans looked at differently. I know me and you looked at it differently, um, which was the trading of Eric Bledsoe um, and trading back in the draft, well, Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams, Adams. Mm-hmm. and trading back in the draft in order to get uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Um, and who was the? There was some another player in there, right? I think that it was, was it. If so, it was just a a salary move. Yeah, got you. Um, and that's how they started off their offseason. How did you feel about that? Well, you know, I didn't like it. I thought Stephen Adams brought a defensive presence to the Pelicans. Uh, I'm I'm all for big men, especially in today's basketball. I feel like every team need a big that can, you know, somewhat get nasty. Steve Adams was a great guy in the locker room. For what I've heard, we know what he brought in OKC. He's not that player anymore. But I, I thought he definitely protected the rim for us and uh, gave us a, a big body down there. Uh, so I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I definitely understood the move. So it's kind of like the fan in me, you know, you want those glorified names when you are making moves. But uh, th- this wasn't that. I understand, you know, why we had to make the move. Um, on the upside, we got Eric Bledsoe off the books, and I definitely uh, wanted to do that this offseason. So um, I guess you can't say I was happy about seeing Steve Adams leave, but I definitely understood the business side of things. Yeah, and, and I looked at it kind of differently because, um, for one, at the time, like you say, the biggest thing was getting that money off the books where mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe was making a ton of money uh, that wasn't deserving. And Stephen <laughs> Adams' contract was massive as well. Um, mm-hmm. I like the trade because Jonas Valanciunas provides that spacing that is important to have when playing alongside his own. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so that's that's the – I didn't – care for them trading back in the draft uh as they did i don't i think i feel like they gave up more than they should have been in order to make that trade um mm-hmm. but i definitely like the concept of okay we need a we need a center that can give us more spacing around zion and we're going to free up all this money so we can go after one of these point guards in free agency um mm-hmm. even if it's just bringing back lonzo and that was their mindset at the time, and I could see that and agree with that. Okay, so from there, <laughs> they had their eyes set on what seems to be Kyle Lowry. They right. wanted to get Kyle Lowry. That's who they wanted to bring in with the money that they freed up from their trade. 
didn't do that. Mm-mm. And in a more stranging move, in a more strange move, they let Lonzo. They 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 didn't. They let him walk. It's no. It's yeah, no, basically. Yeah. They let him. I mean, they didn't let him walk because they decided to do a sign and trade and get something back for him. But what they got back for him wasn't anything worth talking about. Right. Um, and decided to go get a Devontae Graham instead mm-hmm. of keeping Lonzo. So what did you think about all of that? Hated it. Absolutely. From start to finish. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. That was just the, the Stephen Adams situation. Like I said, that was the business side of things. I understood it. I definitely thought we was going to prioritize bringing back uh, Lonzo. Uh, Lonzo kind of grew on me, especially when he decided to shoot. It's not him making all the jumpers he take, but just showing improvement that he had uh, confidence in himself to shoot the ball. Uh, the Pelicans still have a very young group, and I saw Lonzo fitting in that scheme and growing with these guys. Anytime you got a guy that's 6'6", that can handle the ball, he's becoming a better shooter, and he's a great perimeter player, you want to keep him. And I just didn't understand how on earth, he, you know, that wasn't uh, very high on the to-do list for the Pelicans. Um, but now we're just sitting here with all these draft picks. Uh, they freed up a bunch of money, and it's like, what do we have to show for it? It's the same yeah. old Pelicans. I hate to say it. Same old Pelicans. You bring in Devontae Graham, and I don't know. Like when I talk to to some Pelicans fans, I don't know who they think this dude is. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I know bits and pieces about him. I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't know his game like that. I've seen him play before, and yeah. to me, he's just a you know a mediocre NBA player. Uh, but I don't know what from when I speak with people. I guess ceiling is what they're thinking. Like he have a very high ceiling, um, but. I would prefer Lonzo. You know me. I like big guards. Yeah. I like guys that can defend. So, uh, man, it, it feels like Anthony Davis all over again with this uh, trying to piece a team together and, and keep them happy. And once again, the the thing with Lonzo, man, Lonzo, like you say, you got a 6 point guard who can handle the ball, who's always been a pass-first uh, point guard who has come into his own when it comes to shooting from behind the arc these past two seasons, has gotten his three-point percentage up to 38%. Right. Um, and I, the only thing I can look at this and say is, well, you want to keep on with what Stan Van Gundy started doing at the end of last season, which was letting Zion be your primary ball handler. But still, once again, we're talking about Lonzo, who can now play off the ball because he's wow. shooting 38% from the three-point line. So wow. I didn't understand that uh, at all. And then the Devontae Graham, I once again, you keep Lonzo in my opinion, but if you, mm-hmm. you, if you move off of Lonzo and you're looking around the point guard landscape, and you're trying to figure out who can you go to next, Devontae Graham still wouldn't have been next on that list for me. Right. Uh, even if you got to reach out to uh, Spencer Dinwiddie was still out there. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is a player uh, who I would have looked at. Kimball oh, Walker was available. Oh, no. like, See, all of Kim- those guys I would have looked at um, mm-hmm. that could have done what you're going to get from Devontae Graham and more. Exactly. I- yeah, for a lesser price, though. And and that was my thing. Kimber Walker was somebody who once Boston and Boston cut ties with him super early. We knew what his market was was going to be. I mean, to me, that was the perfect play. Yeah. Uh, a veteran guy who can kind of set Zion up, set Brandon Ingram up, things of that nature. And you're not breaking the bank to get him. Um, to be honest, I preferred him over Dennis Ruder. But uh, uh, now the situation that we're at, 
where you let a great ball handler go, a guy who's passed first and is still learning how to shoot. You let that go, and it's kind of like no one even overpaid for him. That's the only way I thought we was going to definitely lose uh, Lonzo. Yeah. Is the, 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 his market got ridiculous. His yeah. market didn't get ridiculous. He went for what, you know, what everybody thought he would go for. Yeah, and I and I actually thought he was going to end up going for more than that. So I was shocked when I saw that contract, and then it was like, well, why didn't the Pelicans keep him? Right. Uh, Devontae Graham is a smaller guard. He's not mm-hmm. anybody that's going to be able to get on the inside to do anything for you. Um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a strange um, series of events that took place for the Pelicans this offseason. And like you say, it doesn't put them in any position to be better this year than they have been uh, the past few years, honestly. And what you just said lets us know that everything is perfectly normal in Pelicans land because this is what you expect from the Pelicans. It's sad to say, but this is Pelican basketball, man. <laughs> and, and and which is a horrible thing because Zion is already, well, his camp has already expressed their frustrations. And you're looking at a guy who is going to be in a position to turn down that qualifying offer and go get his max elsewhere. Yep, like he should. So let's move on to a team that's more promising, which is the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> How did I know that team was coming? <laughs> which is my Los Angeles Lakers, who basically rebuilt their whole team outside of, of course, the the that main guy. pieces there. What's that, guy? that one guy still there. What's his name? I think you're talking about Anthony Davis, right? The Brown. Not that other guy. That other guy. He a little shorter. What's his name? Won a couple times. Yeah, right. So they they basically kept their, of course, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, um, the two guys we knew weren't going anywhere. We there was no question about where they would be next season. Um, and they started their off season off with trading um, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, Kentavious Caldwell Pope to Philadelphia. I mean, not to Philadelphia, to um, to Washington for Russell Westbrook. And that's another move that people initially had mixed feelings about, uh, even Laker fans, um, when I was seeing how some of them felt about it. A lot of them hated it uh, because at the time we were talking about a trade for Buddy Hill and people were weighing better fit against better player. Um, and I fell on, the, uh, I fell on the, the side of better player. Like, give me the most talented player, they'll figure it out. Uh, having Buddy Hill would have been a great addition too, but... If we can get Russell Westbrook, you get Russell Westbrook, especially if you're not counting on him to be your number one. And in this case, you're not even counting on him to be your number two. So um, that's where we started the offseason. And uh, once free agency opened, we were able to bring it. We started off very old, which was a concern for a lot of the NBA community. That's, that's what they quick to point out, is that we started off very old and with former Lakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bringing back Dwight Howard, uh, bringing back Trevor Ariza, uh, what was the other early moves? Kent Bazemore and um, ah, what was the other one? It was another former Laker we signed early on. But Dwight, Dwight Howard, you said Dwight? Yeah, it was Dwight, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, and there was one other guy we signed early, uh, Wayne Ellington. It was Wayne, Wayne. Ellington. That we signed early, which were all former Lakers and all older players. Um, but when you look at Ken Bazemore and Wayne Ellington, you're looking at exactly what we need, guys that can shoot right. from the three mm-hmm. and, and spread their floor for the, for your three main players. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you go on to add Carmelo Anthony, finally, you know, getting into uh, a Lakers uniform. And so for me, once we got Russell Westbrook and you started filling out the roster with the Dwight Howards and the Trevor Reasons and the Carmelo Anthony, you're like, okay, this is what I expected. We're in a good spot. The moves that put everything over the top for me was the signing of Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. The two younger players who Malik Monk is coming off of his best season, Mm -hmm. uh, especially from three. I want to say he shot 40% from three last year. Mm -hmm. And then a player, Kendrick Nunn, who I I really like. uh, I liked him in Miami. Um, last year with a uh, he battled COVID and some other things, so he wasn't as productive as he was. But we're talking about somebody who, in his rookie season, uh, came in second for rookie of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Lakers did exactly what they needed to do. You added another superstar. You added back uh, that rim protector slash uh, just guy that can get you points around the bucket with Dwight Howard that we all saw that we were missing last year. Um, and then you fill out the rest of the roster with shooters. And that's exactly what we needed to do. And the age thing doesn't bother me at all. Um, we're, not, we're not out here to win the regular season. You know, veteran, veterans are what you want in the postseason, and that's what we're all about at this point, yep. the postseason and, and winning uh, a championship. So, uh man, when I look at what we did this offseason, there's not much that that could have been done better. So I think uh the Lakers definitely uh somewhat won the offseason for me for as the NBA go. Uh they definitely got a complete redo over, I feel, with the roster from what they had last year. Uh when they won that championship in the bubble, we know a lot of guys played out of their mind. They got contributions from guys that was very unlikely they would get it from. Rondo being one, KCP played well in the bubble. Um, uh, Dwight Howard played great in the bubble and, you know, he left. So coming to this season, they had a lot of uncertainty and a lot of those guys fell. And then the Lakers, when you know, when you have LeBron on your team within two years, you can have a completely different team as we know. And that's exactly what happened. They got a uh, better bench players for one. I honestly didn't think y'all would get, was going to get Carmelo Anthony. I, I, I just didn't think so. Uh, so I was, you know, one of those guys that wanted the Lakers to get a P.J. Tucker type of guy. Somebody who can straight up, I don't even want to say harass great scores, but someone who just know his role. And yeah. as deep as he's going to sell out. But like we spoke about off air, now that this team is built the way it is with the, with the players they have, it would be kind of hard to even find a way to play PJ with with these yeah. the guys that they have. You know what lineup that the Lakers currently have now with the players that they can plug and play PJ at the drop of a hat. It'd be hard to do. Exactly. Uh, but I definitely like what they got for us: veteran guys, the young guys. Um, this is LeBron at his best, man. <laughs> That's all I can say. This is LeBron at his best. And they're not done. Uh, the other day I saw that they were trying out Isaiah Thomas, uh, Darren Collison, and Mike James. Um, yeah. Which I'm quite sure Isaiah Th- – I, I got a feeling Isaiah Thomas and Darren Collison, uh, one of them, if not both, end up getting signed. Um, and by the trade deadline, I think Kevin Love will be a part of the team as well, which I'm actually looking forward to. Uh I'm quite positive he gets brought out in Cleveland at some point. 
uh, this season, and I would be shocked if he didn't end up in L.A. Yeah. Um, so, oh, and I'd be remiss to not talk about Alex Caruso, who the <laughs> Lakers that walk, man. Lakers, Lakers, Lakers fans were hurt, man. They were hurt, and I love Alex Caruso. I liked what he what he was doing, and but they obviously wanted to stay under that hard luxury cap, and mm-hmm. it came down to. Do we want to keep Caruso or do we want to keep uh, Taylor Hunt, Horton Tucker? Mm-hmm. And Taylor Horton Tucker is the the right move. <laughs> ten times out of ten. So, right. uh, yeah, we definitely we definitely made the right move on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alec, AC did step into a nice payday. 100% and I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy for him. So what other teams, uh, you said you felt like the Lakers in part one, uh, the offseason – what other teams are in that category for you? Uh, the Chicago Bulls. I definitely like what the Chicago That's Bulls exactly where I was going to go. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they swung and they hit. Um, they put it all together. They finally got other guys that can space the floor. Uh, they got a defender. They got a ball handler. And what I like about it is everybody that they sign brings something different to the table. Nobody is going to take food off of anybody else's plate. I don't think no one is going there saying I have to put up that. Well, probably Zach Levine, but that that's nothing new for him. He's the only one that, you know, still have that yeah. same role. Everyone else is looking to do what they've done and then add a little bit of what another guy lacks. And that's why I like this Bulls team so much. I'm not about to, you know, step off the cliff and say, oh, this, that and the other about them. But yeah. for his names on the back of jerseys and what we've seen in, in, pre- in uh, past years from these guys, I think they're going to be all right. And the crazy thing for me was I already liked the makeup of the Chicago Bulls with mm-hmm. Vukovic, Zach Levine, Kobe White, uh, Patrick Williams, who's, mm-hmm. who started to come into his own. And yeah. then, of course, you had Thaddeus Young and guys like that. So you move on from Thaddeus Young, but you bring in Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to see what they're going to do with Laurie Markin and if he's going to end up back or if they're going to sign and trade him or anything like that. But you you really gave yourself a big three in the right. East. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're going to be able to, to put yourself into six a sixth seed. I can see them being a fifth, sixth seed yeah. uh, next season. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Chicago, Chicago hasn't touched the playoffs since what? Jimmy Butler was yeah. there last. It's been, <laughs> about, it's been yeah. about four years or so. Yeah, it feel longer than that on the slit. Yeah, so I, I really like what Chicago was able to do. Yep. Totally. Um, yeah. Miami is a team who made a lot of moves mm-hmm. and they were good moves. They was just it? they just won't translate to being good enough. Yeah. Um, I kind of think yeah, yeah, and I don't want to cut you off, but no. I think that they just they sound a bunch of guys, Kyle Lowry being one terrific point guard. He, all these guys can play together. They're all defensive-minded guys. But to me, it's like the writing's on the wall for Miami. Can y'all score? You know, this is not the bubble. This is not the bubble basketball. You're going to have to score. And I really don't see them causing a threat to any powerhouse East team being Brooklyn and Milwaukee. That's why I didn't bring Miami up. Yeah. I just don't think that they are better or in a seven-game series, I don't see them beating Milwaukee or Brooklyn. 
So the way I look, so let's start off by saying Brooklyn is number one in the East when it, if healthy, when healthy, okay. they're they're number one. There, there's nobody touching them. I can make an argument for Miami over Milwaukee in seven games. Really? The biggest part of everything that Miami is doing is based around Bam Adebayo continuing to get better. Mm-hmm. So if Bam continues to get better. That is a hard team to defend uh, when you're looking at Bam, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and then you're working with Tyler Hero, who most likely he's somewhere in between what he was his rookie and what he was last year, rather than he rather than him being as bad as he was last year or as good as he was his first year. He's most yeah. likely somewhere in between that. Yeah. Um and then Duncan Robinson, who's shooting at a clip that's historic at this point. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think, and then, of course, you talked about P.J. Tucker earlier and what he gives to a team, especially a team, like you say, that in Miami, that's what they want to do. They want to defend. They want to be dogs. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. And uh, a player like Markeith Morris um, mm-hmm. and guys like that. I don't get, like I said, I don't give anybody in the East a chance against Brooklyn when healthy. Mm-hmm. But I could see Miami being able to take out Milwaukee in the seven-game series. Yeah, now, if you tell me Milwaukee is going through some type of injury or something of that nature, I can make an argument. But assuming that everyone is healthy, basketball is about the better players. And to me, Giannis is the best player out of either one of those teams. And it's True, not- but then the next two spots go to Miami. But we, but, but that <laughs> one player being that dominant and Giannis being that dominant, I mean, in basketball, that's just how it works. When you got one guy that's that dominant. Well, that's not true because Kevin Durant lost to Milwaukee. Yeah, because he had no one else. If James Harden or Kyle, Gian- Kyle Once again, if you're telling me that it's just Giannis on the floor and, and, and that's Drew Holiday just, and Chris no, no, Middleton no, 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 no. is being canceled out by, by no, Kyle Lowry and no. Jimmy Butler. No, that's not what I said. I said, assume before I start start talking, I said, assuming everyone is healthy. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I I'm, said. And, and I'm telling you that Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry and Jimmy Butler, if you're telling me that they're canceling out Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, then you're telling me it's Giannis and whatever else, outside of those two players, whatever else he can get against well, Bam out of Bayou and whatever else he can get. And I'm taking Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero over whatever Milwaukee has. And what I'm saying is, normally in basketball, the best player in those situations override whatever two other uh, B and C punches that that's left on the floor. I'm I'm always rolling with the better player. Like overall, when teams are this close, Miami's not a bad team. Don't get me wrong, but I think even just looking at them, we can say what's their weakness? Scoring not being able to score. I think that's what's going to get them in the long run when they play against teams like Brooklyn, who plays no defense, but they're all great offensive players, and they got the best player in the world on their team. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, and we, right. and we just sit on different sides of you feeling like Miami won't be able to score because I don't I don't see that being the case. Okay. Yeah, I don't okay. I don't see them struggling to score at all. Uh, against any- the Against the so against Milwaukee and against Brooklyn, you have them being competitive. Yes, like absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. Like I say, I would. I 
it's a, to me, it's a toss-up between Milwaukee and Miami. Gotcha. Now, Brooklyn, I got Brooklyn beating everything in the East. But yeah. between Milwaukee and Miami, it's a coin flip for me. Gotcha. Yeah, and I'm definitely taking taking Milwaukee in that one. Uh, so, I mean, of course there were other big signings. Nothing really changed the landscape uh, too much, not that I can think of. Uh, Dame seems like he's going to be staying put at least for another six months or so. Um, ben Simmons looks like he's going to be staying put just because the market isn't what – why are they asking so much for that man? Why are they doing this, bro? Because they really want to keep him. That that, that got to be what they really want to keep him. Ain't no way in the world. And they just trying to they just trying to make it seem like they want to trade him. But obviously they they really just want him. That's why they got the price so high. And um and then you see Joel and B getting his extension, um and all these other younger guys, of course Luca, mm-hmm. Trey Young, all those guys to get yep. their extensions, rightfully so. Um. But I mean, we still looking John, at John Collins got his extension too, right? Yeah, yeah, he got right. he got his too. Yep. So really, really, this may be a more competitive se- NBA season that we've seen uh, in recent memory. But the the it's it's still the same teams. It's still yeah. the same teams as usual. You got uh you got the LA teams. Uh, you got the LA teams in the West. I don't think Phoenix is going to to be able to to do again what they did last season. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the East, you're looking at Brooklyn, you're looking at the 76ers, you're looking at Miami and Milwaukee, depending on how you feel. So even though there was a lot of movement and this should be a way co- more competitive season, which mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, you still got the, the normal guys up top. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think the only thing we didn't touch on was Golden State being healthy again this season with Clay coming back and Steph uh, Draymond and uh, Wiseman got a year under his belt. So it'd be fun to see that group back together as well. One hundred percent, and you're right. We definitely should have talked about that because them just being one, them just being one hundred percent healthy catapults them back into that conversation too of being yes, they can two, pull off something. of being one of the two, three best teams in the West. Yeah. Um, if Steph, if Steph, well, we know what Steph is, but if Clay can get back to being what he was, um, and then you still got Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green, like you say, Wiseman has another year under that under his belt. Um, that's de- yeah, that's definitely a team to watch as well. That's going to be exciting. I'm ready to see him. I ain't gonna lie. All right, so let's transition to the good old NFL. We what we two weeks since the training camp at this point, maybe three, two weeks. Yep. Like that, mm-hmm. one week into uh, preseason football. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about our New Orleans Saints. Let's 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 start where everybody else is gonna start. <laughs> let's start. No, you know what? Let's not start where everybody else is gonna start. Let's start with Michael Thomas. Let's start <laughs> with what you feel <laughs> about this whole Michael Thomas situation <sighs> and how that's been unfolding. So, you know, I'm a huge Michael Thomas fan, to say the least. Uh, I hate when reports come out. Like we know, the media has the ability to make us feel some type of way about it, right? Like, however they translate this information is how we receive it, and then your initial reaction takes over. And when I saw it, the only thing I could think of is, like most Saints fans, why in the hell did he wait so long? Like, why wait to now to announce you need surgery? And 
I mean, it definitely rubbed me the wrong way. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it just made me, like I said, I, I'm for one, I'm one of those people who think Michael Thomas like the players that the New Orleans Saints have. The Cam Jordans, the Elvin Kamaras, um, the C.J. Gardner-Johnsons, the Marshawn Lattimore's. I think he liked those guys. I'm not too sure how he feels about the coaching staff. That's what I'm not sure about. But uh, when, when the news first broke, devastated, of course. You already know receiver is, a, is a, uh, something we lack. And uh, he's the only for sure thing that we have, period, um, you know, at receiver. Uh, so I, I, it definitely hit home hard. And if he was going to play hardball and, you know, see all this stuff, I'm one of those people. I'm like, look, you may as well. We can't part ways with him because of the yeah the salary uh, that, that we owe him and the penalties we'll have to pay and all that good stuff. And it's not just this season, but it's the following year as well. Yeah. But um, I just hope that we fix that thing and get it right, man. I'm happy to see that he is back in the facility, travel with the team, uh, doing, doing the preseason game or whatnot. But uh, overall, um, it got off to a rocket start, but it seemed like it's fixing itself. So, 100%, I, I don't think anybody can look at the situation and argue that Michael Thomas was right to wait until July to have ankle surgery. Like, there's no way, looking at the, the timeline of events, there's no reason why July should have been when he was having ankle surgery. That being said, I think what really blew things out of proportion from there was things being, of course, addressed in public versus addressed in private. Mm-hmm. When you got Sean Payton coming out in his interviews and saying, well, we would we would have wanted that surgery to happen sooner, and it should have, uh, that's going to rub anybody the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it's just like you say, the media is going to – to take control of it and spin it and, you know, produce whatever they produce. But mm-hmm. like you say, it, it was good to see that he was able to join the team for the preseason game. Sean Payton says him, uh, they had to sit down, they had to talk, um, and they just focused on getting him back. And right now it looks like he's uh, ahead of schedule, which mm-hmm. is also great news. Cause like you say, wide receiver is a position that we're looking at to say, Hey, we can't lose anything. <laughs> uh, we can't lose anything at that position right now, especially when Michael Thomas is one of the best players we have in general. True. So let's turn to our quarterback battle. What, James what, Winston. Battle? James Winston versus Taysom Hill versus oh. Ian Book versus Trevor Simeon. <laughs> Man, as well throw my name in that hat. So let's talk about that. Um, I think me and you have been on the same side of this since it was announced that it would actually be a quarterback battle, um, which was Jameis Winston is the better quarterback. Jameis Winston will have the highest ceiling. Um, Jameis Winston is the person that will most likely give us the the better uh, possibility of winning games. Um, and yet Sean Payton insists that this is a true quarterback battle and that Taysom Hill is, uh, a potential starter for our New Orleans Saints going forward. Right. Training camp hasn't, training camp hasn't positioned neither one of them ahead of the other at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, it looks like preseason games are really going to be the determining factor of who takes over come week one of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we played our first preseason game last Saturday, 
And what did you think of what you saw from both quarterbacks? I like some things that I saw from both quarterbacks. Um, I love that they gave Taysom Hill uh, a play-action pass just to start the game. He threw a, a beautiful ball that was dropped. Um, they both made some some great throws. We know Jameis Winston has a very strong arm. He, it, it, it's still there. Um, Taysom showed he can still move around. He's definitely explosive uh, outside of the pocket. Uh, but his timing wasn't bad. Uh, the balls he thrown, they weren't they weren't horrible. I think both guys held on to the ball too long at times. Uh, but if you take the names off the back of the jerseys, I graded them the same. They both was 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 good. They had good days to me. Uh, they both turned the ball over. Uh, need I didn't fault neither one for the interception. Uh, I am a big, uh, I am a big. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty big at commenting on all things that Saints related. So yeah. anything, any, anybody out there that has uh, some type of uh, group uh, that, that Saints talk football, uh, I'm pretty big on commenting when something catches my attention. And before I knew it, I, I gave Taysom Hill praise. And before I knew it, man, so many people was attacking me like, this dude, not our quarterback <laughs> and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, bro, I never said that. What yeah. I said was the interception wasn't the man's fault, you know. But uh, he was in, it was in zone coverage, man. It's a drag route. The receiver got to carry out the drag route. You don't stop I'm on not, a drag route. I'm not going to lie to you, Reg. I disagree with you. I think he really – I think he overthrew that pass. That was just an overthrow. I think if he, I think he kept running the receiver. If the receiver keeps running that drag route, he runs into the football. He that, runs that should have been a better pass. It, it should have been a better pass. Again, what I'm saying is it would have not been a turnover is what I'm saying. If the receiver – continues running that route downfield and don't let up. He runs into the football or he, he make contact with the football. But you, the one thing you can't, if we're going to fault either person, receiver or quarterback, it goes to the receiver because you don't stop, especially a drag route. It, you don't stop running in do zone coverage. I can't do it, Red. That was a, that was a, that was an overthrow. It was a, it was a bad pass, Red. It was a bad pass. Nah. It was <laughs> That's a, a two-yard throw. That was a two-yard throw. It was a, and it was a bad pass, just like all the rest of his throws. That man didn't throw bad balls all game. Fred, okay, look. So he didn't oh, throw bad yeah. balls all game. Yeah, I think what it is is we come into the game saying the man can't throw the ball. I'm he can't play here. quarterback. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna start agreeing with you that if you take the names off the back of the uniforms, neither one of them stood out from the other one during the game. I agree with that 100. percent my basis, well, I mean, to this point, because like we say, even during training camp, during these practices that are being seen and that are being reported on, they're not separating these. They're not separating themselves from each other at all. Mm -hmm. So, still to this point, the only thing I can base who I feel like would be the better quarterback is on their past. <sighs> Taysom Hill has such a has such horrible mechanics as a quarterback. It makes every pass look ugly to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like every single pass looks ugly to me because his mechanics are so poor. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why I always jump to that's an ugly pass. I do think that was an overthrow. Like I, I understand what you're saying when you're saying, look, he should have kept moving. It still was an overthrow. Uh, okay. And yeah. But so – once again, like we agree on, we agree on that much though. Neither one, neither one of the quarterbacks have separated themselves from each other at this point. 
which and I told you off air, I think that was yesterday. I think that says more bad about Jason Jameis Winston than it does good about Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. So I guess going forward, we got to see if Jason Jameis Winston will actually be able to separate himself from Taysom Hill in the manner that we all feel that he should. At this yeah, definitely, he should be leaps and bounds by Taysom Hill. And even even the interception that he thrown to me, he gave his receiver a shot. His receiver yeah. got got two hands on the ball and didn't come down with it. I mean. You can't fault that on a quarterback. You're giving your guy uh, – and, you know, commentators are quick to say things like, oh, you got to put this ball on the sideline just a little bit more. You got to lead the receiver just a little bit more. I mean, all that's true, fine, and dandy, but he gave his guy uh, more than a, a better opportunity to catch that football. And I think if you if you ask the receiver, he would say he should have came down with that ball. But once again, I don't fault Jameis for, for that interception. I think both guys played play good. No one separated themselves from, from the other guy. It's just yeah. that if you're telling me now that all that is clear, if you tell me to pick a quarterback because the season starts tomorrow, I'm going Jameis Winston. It's not even close. Yeah, 100%. For one, I can see Jameis Winston being the quarterback for a couple a couple more years under the right. If, you know, Sean Payton's still in-house, we still got one of the best O-lines in football, still got one of the better receivers, still got one of the better running backs. Defense is still, still looks solid. So I can definitely see Jameis Winston. And – in our system, where he's not forced to throw the ball 20, 30 yards down the field so many times a game, I can see that working for a couple years. Taysom Hill, I can't see anything working long-term with Taysom Hill than what he's already doing. And that's my biggest thing is, what happens when we get in the red zone and Taysom Hill is our quarterback? You can't just sit up here and run QB power all day long and, you know, think this is your quarterback. This is the guy that you want to uphold for – 16, 17 weeks now, and then if the playoffs hit, you want him to, to pretty much be healthy. So his style of play, of what we've seen from the past, it's no way he can do that for four games, and we expect for him to still be there when it matters. It's just that simple. I don't even understand how it's a competition at this point. If that's what they want to call it, Cool, but James Winston, James Winston is by far a better quarterback than Taysom Hill. And I 100% agree with you. The only thing that you look at James Winston and say, well, the last time we saw him as a full-time quarterback, he had 30 interceptions. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's the biggest concern is, is putting him in a position where he doesn't take so many unnecessary chances. Um, and, man, you're looking at a 30-touchdown, 4,500-yard passer uh, even more than that, with an extra game now, mm-hmm. uh, there's no way you can tell me, based on anything we've seen from Taysom Hill, that he can be that. Mm-hmm. Um, or that he can make a receiving core who, outside of Michael Thomas, is really unknown, that he can make any of those guys better. I don't think Taysom Hill is doing that. And even last year, we saw during the game that he started, um, yeah, he 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 won he won games, but... In those games, Alvin Kamara had his worst outputs of the season. Um, and then so you're isolating uh, Alvin Kamara. And then to start the season, there's no Michael Thomas. There's no other big-time receiver out there to count on. There's no tight end. Nah, it, it has to be Jameis Winston if we want to seriously say that we're still contenders. Definitely. Um, so otherwise, with the New Orleans Saints, we have – uh, I don't think we got on here. Well, we haven't been on here to talk about the David Anyamata suspension. Actually, I think we did talk about that last time we were on here. 
Um, but now we have Deontay Harris looking at uh, a possible suspension. Marshawn Lattimore, we still don't know if he's going to be suspended or not. Um, I definitely think Deontay Harris getting suspended. That's not a probable. He's definitely going to going to get suspended. I yeah, I, I definitely think we're, we're looking at two games with him, um, which to me isn't that big of – I mean, it's a big of a deal because we can't afford to lose receivers in general. Mm-hmm. But to me, we're more dependent upon Traquan Smith, Marquette, Marquez Callaway, uh, mm-hmm. those guys uh, versus a Deontay Harris who is most likely going to make his impact in special teams more so than a wide receiver, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got uh, – so injury-wise, we've been – I don't want to jinx us at all, but we've been pretty – outside of the Michael Thomas situation, which is isn't anything that happened recently, those are injuries he had been dealing with and just now was actually addressing – Outside of that, we've been looking, we've been able to stay pretty clean injury-wise, which is huge for us when we're looking at um when we're looking at positions that we're not we're already thin at, you know. Mm. Uh, when we're looking at wide receiver, when we're looking at even quarter, like we we can't afford a quarterback injury at this point, you know. Um, so we've been able to stay pretty clean there. What other position groups are you looking at saying this is what we're the strongest going into this season? Uh, offensive line. Uh, I've been preaching this for the past couple years. I really do think, um, you know, I always say we have one of the better old lines, but this year can almost pro- almost make a case. We probably have the definitely top three once again. I think last year I had us ranked second or third. Yeah. And this year is still no different. I got a second or third, especially just imagine if Ruiz actually plays guard good this year. Yeah. Like he's not a sore thumb. That's going to make the line that much better. Yeah. And I mean, he played good this, this past preseason game. Yeah. Now I'm not sure if Baltimore number ones was still in there. I did see Patrick Queen still Patrick flying King. around, but I'm yeah. not sure who, who, I'm not sure who was on that front four at that time. But if he plays good, I mean, this can be the best O-line in football, man. 100%. But I definitely think, I definitely think we still stand tough uh, on our O-line. That is, to me, the brightest spot of our football team once again. Um, the holes that they made for for Tony Jones Jr., I mean, speaks for itself. All he had to do – I'm not taking nothing away from him. Yeah. But all he had to do was, was find that hole and hit it, and that's what you want. Yep, 100%. And I agree our offensive line has been one of the best in the league for years now, and that's, that's no different uh, this year. Like you say, Ruiz is the one to watch. Uh, going forward, but thus far he's really impressed this uh this training camp. Yeah. Um and hopefully that just that just continues. Um I really still like our defensive line, even with what we've lost. Of course, Anya Mata being suspended for six games. We lost Shannon Rankins uh over the offseason. We traded uh Malcolm Brown away. But the guys that we still have there, um of course starting with Cam Jordan. Um, and then you're banking on Marcus Davenport, uh, Shy Tuttle, um, those guys. I think I think the ends I'm not too concerned about. You know, Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan, Peyton Turner. Now, um, I always forget the guy's name we got from Kansas City. Um, end is not really what I'm worried about. It's the interior of that defensive line, and with Malcolm Roach and, like I said, Ty, um, Shy Tuttle. Um, and the and the other rotational guy that we have in there, 
they still look like they're going to be able to be really solid up front. And that's that's all I can really ask for when we still have to figure out our, our cornerback situation uh, right. going forward, which to me is the biggest, like even more so than wide receiver, it's the biggest glaring hole on our team right now is trying to figure out who's going to be that second cornerback. And if Marshawn Lattimore get, gets suspended, who's going to be our top two cornerbacks right. and it not be, and we were looking at Patrick Robinson and then he up and retires on it. So then, yeah. you know, it's okay. Well, now we're down a cornerback brought in uh Prince uh, Amukamara. He got cut uh, with these first waves of cuts. So, I think we're still going to – I think we're still active in trying to find a trade for another cornerback. But right now, that's the position that, that really worries me going forward. Uh, I'm not too concerned about corner as I, as I was when, uh, when we first lost uh, Janoris Jen- uh, Jenkins. Uh, I was a huge uh, Jack Rabbit fan. Uh, Love what he brought, a veteran who can still play not only man but press man. Uh, pretty good on on playing the ball. He didn't get beat a ton, and he wasn't an over-penalized corner. Uh, And then you put him opposite side, someone like Lattimore, just mean that much more of our system and our front four was getting home. So uh, I'm I'm not really too concerned about the corner situation. Obviously, if Lattimore gets suspended, that's a different different scenario. But it still comes down to the front four. That's who I'm the most uh, worried about at this point is our front four. Uh, Cam Jordan, my favorite uh, Saints player uh, as of right now, um, you know, even go- dating back a couple years. Um, he's a little bit older. Uh, I think Trey definitely outplayed him last season. And uh, I'm not sure if Cam is still the guy. I don't want to say who can win one-on-one, but I'm, I'm not sure if Cam is still that guy who can get you 12, 13 sacks a year. Uh, last year was definitely a, a down year for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know he played through injuries and whatnot. So uh, he has a lot on his plate. Um, if you wanted to slide, we pretty much forced you to double. You had to double somebody, trail cam. Exactly. Right? And I'm just saying at this point, I'm not sure if, if we got that. If you do decide to, to slide cam, uh, do we have another – can Davenport win one-on-one? Can Peyton win one-on-one? And can they win uh, consecutively enough to make teams change what they're doing? I'm not sure if we have that. That's just not something we could walk walk in and say, okay, we still got that. Uh, we know Trey is still here. We don't have that anymore. So everything about our defense is predicated off our front four. And uh, I'm not sure if, if we still have that front four intact. So that's that's my biggest concern. And we talked about this last season as the season was going on, how I contributed a lot of Trey Hendrickson's success to Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was. Of course, that's not. You're not going to be able to have Trey Hendrickson getting the year that he had, and Cam Jordan also getting 12, 13 sacks. Right. So he right. sacrificed. And like, I, I think, I think Marcus Davenport is going to be set up the same way this season. You still got to double. You still got to focus on Cam Jordan. And like you say, it really comes down to can the other guy on the other side win one on ones consecutively uh, and consistently. And I think Marcus Davenport. If he can stay healthy, we'll be able to do that. I'm hearing great things about Peyton Turner as well, but my concern about that is he wasn't a full-time defensive snap player in college. So Mm -hmm. to expect him to be that, especially early on in his career uh, in the NFL, that's not not reasonable. So Marcus Davenport absolutely has to stay healthy, 
But I think if he does, I think we could see the same thing out of him that we saw to Trey Hendrickson. We shall see. I'm hoping so. <laughs> so, uh, I man, I couldn't even honestly tell you who we play this week uh, in preseason. Um, I want to say the game is again on Saturday, though. Um, I Google at our fingertips, man. I'm looking for uh, Taysom Hill started last game. So I think Sean Payton is going to – oh, we got the Jaguars. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't play till Monday. Okay. Um, I think Sean Payton is going to let Jameis start this one. Um, I expect them to play. This probably will be the most they play, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's no. yeah. uh, this will be the most time that they see. So this may actually be the deciding factor in who becomes the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um once again, bro, it's hard for me to look at it and say that it won't be Jameis Winston. Right. And I don't if- care what happens. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't care what happens. Like, you putting so much into it, like these preseason games. I'm past the preseason game. I don't care what happens in the preseason game. T- Jameis Winston can go three for 15 with three INTs, and Taysom Hill can go 15 for 15 with four touchdowns, and it changes nothing for me. Absolutely nothing. Red. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not anything for me either, but we're not the ones choosing to start the quarterback. Yeah. You're the same guy that sat across from me last season that was like, see, Taysom Hill is going to be starting these games with Drew Brees being hurt. And I and say, I, and wow. I say, Red, John, <laughs> is clearly the better quarterback. You say, see, Taysom Hill is, I'm telling you, Reg, there's a chance that Taysom Hill is uh, going to <laughs> Don't that flip rules with me. <laughs> it ain't no way in the world that man about to come out of here being our starting quarterback. It's no way possible, man. Week wow. one, nah, bro. Cut it out, man. Week one, full training camp. You change some hill, I'll beat Jameis Winston. I I don't care what happens in preseason. Doesn't matter. Reg, I <clears throat> I agree with you. Like I want hundred percent agree with you. I'm just telling you. I was on that side last season, <laughs> and you told me, look. Taysom Hill going to be the quarterback. And, and that's what happened. Reason, so there's a the chance. The only reason why I said that last year was because Sean Payton made it clear that Taysom Hill is QB number two. If and anything, he's making it clear right now that Taysom Hill has a chance. And that's, <laughs> that's yeah, he's doing that for sure. <laughs> that's saving face. I hope that's that, what it is. Yeah, like, I'm, with, I'm 100% but, with you. But for real, though, like we always talk about, too, though, if – when James wins this starting job, what happens to Taysom? Is he, is he just a clipboard holder, or are you still going to run him and use him the ways you've been using him? And so, me and you have talked about this a lot off the air, too, and I, I really am interested in hearing what other Saints fans feel about that, too, because yeah. no matter what, James Winston and Taysom Hill are both making this team. So, yeah. like you say, if Taysom Hill is our number two quarterback, yeah. is he just holding the clipboard, or do you still try to – Use him as the gadget guy that you paid him literally all that money to be. And of yeah. course, I'm saying on the side that you can't use him as the gadget guy if you if he's going to be your best alternate at quarterback. Yeah. Um, so unless they bring in another quarterback from somewhere else, I don't see them holding three quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Um, and it'll be Taysom Hill with the clipboard. So I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely interested to see what other Saints feel about that situation. Yeah, I think you use. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I think you use him as little as possible. Yeah. Uh, but 
we know just being Saints fans, that's not going to happen. He's not just going to hold that clipboard. He's going to do something, whether it's special teams, tight end, inside receiver. Yeah, he's going to do something. He's going to do something. He yeah. Can, I feel you now. He can't. And it's three quarter because at first I was like, Sean Payton has very creative ways to carry in extra bodies, but we're so slim <laughs> right now. Can't carry three quarterbacks. It's exactly. impossible. Yeah, I don't see no team in the NFL having a chance to do it this season. Nor, nor is it worth it to carry yeah. three quarterbacks uh, for us anyway. Especially when you're looking at those other quarterbacks being right now either Ian Book or Trevor Simeon. You know, you move right. in to your practice squad. You most likely move on for Trevor from Trevor Simeon. Correct. So it'd be interesting if one of these. Uh, more veteran quarterbacks end up being a surprise cut around the league, and then right. New Orleans jumps on that and say, "Okay, well, Chase Daniel yeah. is available. Let's yeah. bring him back, and now we can, you know, trust right. him to be our backup quarterback and use Tatum Hill as we already had been." Correct. Um, so around the league, what other team are you paying close attention to uh, during the preseason? Doing preseason? Yeah, just watching, you know, maybe a rookie or a guy in a new place that you're really paying attention to. Hmm, that's a good one. I haven't thought about that. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't watch no team hard in preseason besides New Orleans. That's yeah. just being completely honest uh, with you. So, um, man, I don't have one, Sid. I don't even. I don't even want to make up nothing for the sake of the show because yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not a preseason guy. You know, I can tell you I want to see what, what, what Trevor Lawrence is going to look like, you know. And, but all that's, that's, that's just smoke. We know what it's going to be at the end of the day. It's his team. To, you know what I'm saying? They're going to give yeah. him a shot. It's nothing that Danny Dimes can do in New York that's going to make me say, all right, he's ready to he's ready for this season. It's yeah, not in the preseason, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I, I can't even call out a player. Uh, I do like seeing all these young guys, you know, Jamal Chase, all these guys uh, suiting up for their new teams. However, it's nothing that they can do in preseason that would make me um, – feel like they'd be comfortable once the season starts. And for me, um, I've had less time to pay attention to training camp or preseason outside of the New Orleans Saints. But when I have, it's been the Cowboys. Um, mm -hmm. We talked a lot about Dak, Dak Prescott last year um, and what would happen with his contract situation and would he be back in Dallas and things of that nature. Um, and just seeing him come back from his injury and then hear about the shoulder strain and, and things of that nature. So that's the situation I'm paying very close attention to just to see how he shakes back. Because as we saw, as good as the O-line and the receivers and the running back is in Dallas, we saw last year that none of that means anything if the quarterback isn't above average. Yeah. And that, of course, is a quarterback that we look at as a second-tier quarterback. And mm -hmm. if he gets back to that, as much as we – as much as we joke around about the Cowboy fans thinking every year of this year, every year of their year, which I'm never going to go that far, but Dallas will be a very exciting team and quite quite frankly, probably a playoff team if Dak is able to be what he was before his injury. Um, CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, those are two guys who have looked amazing during training camp. But once again, how much is that? How much does that tra translate to when it comes to the regular season? Um, so yeah. Dallas is that team for me this year, even though I hate them. Um, but the, the storyline is intriguing uh, with that. If it was a, uh, if you would have asked me 
what team am I watching or what player I'm watching, period, like besides preseason, take preseason out. My player is Baker Mayfield. Uh, to me, I think this is going to be his break, make or break year. Last year, he kind of rebounded at the end of the year when guys went down and he went on a run. He didn't throw for a whole lot of passing yards. He threw for a bunch of touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over. He found himself in a, in a nail biter uh, in the playoffs this, this past year with KC. Uh, and people are going to be – that's the expectation now. Yep. So uh, it's going to be a little harder for him stepping into this year after doing that. So the expectation is how a lot of people crack under pressure. Uh, team, if you tell me a team I'm, I'm looking out for, it's the Baltimore Ravens. I got to see what Lamar Jackson do with these new weapons that that everybody's saying that, you know, this is the best receiving core that he's had since he's been in the league, which is true. Yeah. This is, you know, uh, the defense. They built that defense for tough last year. It paid off. They were able to contain Derrick Henry uh, a little bit better than what they have been throughout the years. But Lamar Jackson couldn't get them over the hump. And they're going into this season with the same game plan, the same attitude. Hey, we're not changing nothing. We're just going to do what we do better. So the team is the Baltimore Ravens, who I think is a, a, Super, Bowl, a Super Bowl caliber team. And my player is Baker Mayfield and his Cleveland Browns, which are also a Super Bowl caliber team. So uh, like that's who I got my eyes on. Um, with Cleveland, like you say, just overall with Cleveland, I was on Cleveland a year too early. I got there a year too early. Last year, they got to where I expected them to be. This year, I, if you ask me who's the second best overall team in the AFC, I'm probably going to tell you the Cleveland Browns. Over the Baltimore Ravens? Oh, oh I, I, we're going to, so going forward, over the next few weeks, we're going to go over our division winners and play how the playoff season is going to work out and everything like that. But I can tell you now, I have Cleveland winning that division. Okay. Um, so I've been on that. So if we're talking about just overall outside of preseason, like going forward, the team I'm looking at is the New England Patriots. Okay. Because once again, last year we talked a lot about Tom Brady against Bill Belichick, and honestly, it was not an even playing playing field when it came to what Tom Brady walked into and what Bill was left with and what he lost because of COVID opt-outs and Cam Newton ended up with COVID and stuff like that. And even with a season like that, you're looking at them and say, "Damn, they still ended up being seven and nine. So with the additions that they were able to make and the players that they're getting back this year, I think they're right back in the position of where they can be in the playoffs this year. Player, man, I'm I think I think Baker is going, I think Baker is Cleveland's franchise quarterback, no matter what they try to give off. I I honestly can't see him going out and performing badly enough this year to where he doesn't receive his contract extension and big payday and being solidified in their quarterback going forward. Um, for me, it's Lamar Jackson. I, I, he's a guy that I'm not as big on as other people because just like with Taysom Hill, when it comes down to being, when it comes down to the quarterback position, you have to be a quarterback. Like, all of that extra stuff is great, but you got to be a passer of the football. And that's something that Lamar Jackson, to this point, has still lacked to show that he is a above-average passer of the football. And for him to, to look at the money Josh Allen just made and to say, well, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson are up next, how much more will they get? For him to be able to demand more and Baltimore – 
feel comfortable with giving him more, <clears throat> he has to show more. How? I got to stop you right there. What you mean? How, how? can we give? How can we give Josh Allen that money after one year? And it's been what three years for Lamar? Three years of what? Winning. Oh, what? What? Well, it's been two years because the first year he backed up Joe Flacco and took over at the end. Okay. But, Two, 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 two years of winning, two years of playoff football, two years of growth versus Josh no, Allen. It hasn't been two years of growth. He didn't grow any last year opposed to the year before, especially not as a passer. Like, that's, that's not true. Let's not say that. Like, right, he, so hasn't, let's he, take, hasn't, he hasn't grown as a passer at all during so his career. Let's, let's take away Skylar Diggs, who we know is a phenomenal receiver. Let's take him away. Let's take him away from Josh Allen. And let's give him uh, uh average receiver. Mm-hmm. Are we still speaking yes. this highly of Josh 100%, Allen? Because as I told you last year, Josh Allen, Josh Allen didn't just improve because Stefan Diggs was there. Josh Allen's accuracy as a passer improved tremendously from the year before last to last year. And that wasn't about them adding a star receiver. See, that man was night and day difference because of that receiver. Incorrect. Stephon Diggs is the only person that caught passes from Josh Allen last year. He was so good that what did they do? They went out and got who? Emmanuel Sanders to pair with him. Buffalo is like a real deal team, and I like Josh Allen. Buffalo is no different this year than they were last year. Emmanuel Sanders, to me, isn't no better than Cole Beasley or John Brown was for Buffalo these past few but, years. But but what I'm saying is now, with, with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders as well, Cole Beasley jumped out of his slump last year because the year before, he wasn't he wasn't doing all that. He broke out on, on Thanksgiving against no, Buffalo. No, the year before, Cole, Cole Beasley had a better season the year before than he did last year. Yeah, I think John it was Brown, the other. John Brown as well. And some of that may be because of the arrival of Stephon Diggs, of course. But both of those guys had better seasons the year before than they had last season. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Cole Beasley slumped the year before and then last year. They played last, yeah, they, they they played against Dallas last year on Thanksgiving, on right? Thanksgiving? I wanna say I wanna mm, I wanna say yeah. Yeah, I and I think that I think last year was better. Yeah, but once again, I and I mentioned this last year while the season was going on, Josh Allen was a completely different quarterback, and it was more than just having <clears throat> a better receiver on his team. Yeah, um, I mean, the 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 lack of the Jameis Winston effect, the 30 interceptions because he was a high turnover guy because he was taking chances he just didn't need to take just because he had a strong arm. That was eliminated last year. The accuracy and the placement of his footballs was just better last year. Um, I hate, I hate that you like back me on the ropes. Like I'm not a Josh Allen fan. Now well, no, yeah, yeah. I'm just I, saying, I, I, my point is just for you, for you to tell me that Lamar Jackson has done, has had an improvement like Josh Allen had, or no, to just no, Josh no, Allen's improvement not, on Stephon Diggs. No, that's not. What I can't let that no. slide. No, not throwing the ball. When I that's say all I care about, that's all oh, I care about. Well, yeah. 
When he was drafted, first of all, he, he failed because of his lack of being able to throw the football, his mechanics, things of that nature. 100%. So what I'm saying is you, you basically drafted a quarterback in the first round, into the first round, as a project player. And what I'm saying is it's already a home run for, for the value that you drafted him at. Does he, he, is, I can't invest 45 to $50 million in a quarterback that I don't think is going to get any better than what he is right now. But said, if you put better players around no, him, you're not doing that, Red. We did this at the end of last season. We did this at the end of you're not gonna blame his poor passing on the players around him. So it's why not gonna happen. So why did New England stick with Cam Newton, went out and got a better O-line, found the running back that they already had on the team that would have went well over a thousand yards if he would have never got hurt, and got a whole bunch of mediocre receivers? Why? Because we're this is going to make him look better if he's still a starter. But no matter who, no Tom Brady probably could have won another Super Bowl with this team. No matter who's the starter in New England, they're going to look better because they got better players in place. You look at uh, what's his name, Tannehill. He's not all of a sudden better. He got better players around him. No, he, he, he got is a, better. He's better. Bruh, he got better players around him. He bruh. has a better offensive coordinator. See, this man got A.J. Brown, who I've been speaking so highly about. He's yep, a true correct. number one who's a dog. And then you got Derrick Henry, who's been the best running back the last two years in football. He's going to look better. He's in a better system with better players. Either your quarterback, you just spoke about Baker Mayfield. It would take Baker Mayfield to lose a finger on each hand for Cleveland not to extend him. But even if he's the same old Baker Mayfield, we're going to extend him and we're going to try to get better players to put around him. That's all you can do. Once again, Reg, once again, we're talking about a quarterback who hasn't gotten better as a passer of the football. Regardless of who's around him, if you're overthrowing Mark Andrews across the middle of the field by five yards, it's not going to matter. Now, you're going to tell me Mark Andrews isn't one of the best tight ends in the league? He's a huge target, and Mm -hmm. you got multiple occasions where – He's going across the field, and Lamar Jackson is overthrowing this man. What difference That's is that? That's inexcusable. What difference is that from Danny Dimes overthrowing his targets or getting sacked or not seeing somebody Danny open? Danny Dimes isn't going to be demanding $50 million next season. Baker Mayfield. What difference is, is that having Odell and, 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 and Jarvis Landry and still can't figure it out? He, uh, what's the tight end uh, from, from Atlanta that they brought down there? What's Austin his name? Hooper. Austin Hooper was down there. The other tight end that they drafted in the first round, that super fast dude who never got off yet. What's the difference from having all that? One of the, Cleveland, top five O-line, if not top three O-line in football. What, the best running, uh, running back committee in football. He got all that, and he still hasn't proven to be the number one overall selection. And he's not going to prove to be the number one overall selection. But what does that have to do with Lamar Jackson not being a quarterback? Baker Mayfield is a better passer of the football than Lamar Jackson is, regardless of who's around him. Cool. I take that, but that's, that's not that's saying That's my much. only reg. I'm not <laughs> arguing about Lamar Jackson as a player, as an overall player. I'm not arguing about that. I'm saying if I'm a GM or, hell, 
if he was a New Orleans Saint and I was a and I'm a fan of the New Orleans Saints, if Lamar Jackson was our quarterback and he came to us saying, look, 45 to 50 million dollars over the next five years, I mean for each of the next five years, that's what I want. I'm saying let him walk. And because to me, Lamar Jackson has hit his ceiling. What I'm saying is there's only a couple quarterbacks in the NFL that you would even consider paying that amount of money to. So let's just start there. Yeah. But what I'm speaking about is all the rest of the guys that's going to get extended and get extended in, a, in their prospective places where they should get extended. And then we look at Lamar Jackson, a guy who's won, who um, have his team in a hunt of Super Bowl contention every year. And then you say, yeah, we're yeah. not going to pay that guy? It just doesn't make sense to me. We're going to pay Dak. We're going to pay Baker Mayfield to me, who hasn't done absolutely nothing. And I'm being nice. Like, he hasn't scratched the surface. We're going to pay those kind of guys. Ron Tannehill walks into a great payday because he's on the better Baker team. Mayfield, Baker Mayfield got what to the divisional championship last year, which is as far as Lamar Jackson has been thus far, right? Who has more on their plate, Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson? What you mean? Who who is the more reason that they team win games? Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson? Since entering the NFL. Last last year, Baker Mayfield was the biggest reason that they won. Really? And he the the best run game, better O line, defense played great. Miles Garrett would have had defensive player of the year so, if it so, wasn't for So Cole. now Baltimore and doesn't have a good me. offensive line. Who? Now Baltimore doesn't have a good no, offensive line. Have one of or the or a top three defense in the league. have one of the better O-lines. But what I'm telling you is... Or a top is, three defense. And they have a top three defense in the league, right? MVP. Didn't Lamar win MVP? He won MVP already, right? MVP, Lamar Jackson, 50 touchdowns. We just can't brush that under the rug, I'm saying. I'm not saying it's all about that. But there's no way you're going to tell me Baker Mayfield has contributed more to his team than Lamar Jackson. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying it. Can you win a, a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson? I don't, I don't think so. That's all I care about, Red. I, neither do I think with Baker Mayfield. Oh, see, and that's what we disagree. I think I take Josh Allen. I take uh, I take Josh Allen and the Bills. I take Baker Mayfield and the Browns. I can see both of them winning the Super like Bowl Josh way Allen, before Lamar Jackson. I like Josh Allen. I like his ceiling. He's a big guy, strong, fast, all this good stuff, big arm. But he gave you one season. That's all I'm saying. One season. Let's see it again before we crown him. Before we throw him in tier one, let's see another season from him. Baker Mayfield coming out of college. At Lamar the Jackson has given me no seasons as a passer of the football, which is all I care about from my quarterback. Ooh, and I'm not going to argue with that. But he, that's all he, I still care about. he still has contributed more is what I'm saying. Is he worth $50 million? No, not to that's me. That's my only point. That is my only point. The next year, he's going to be looking at $50 million. And my take is, if Baltimore gives him that, Baltimore is setting themselves up for failure, they'll never win with Lamar Jackson. That's my only point. It's only a handful of quarterbacks you would even think about. $50 million, $45 million. I told you, I didn't. if, if if I was Dallas year before last, Tom Brady's a free agent, Dak is asking for 35 and 40. I'm rolling with Tom Brady on a two, three-year deal, and I'm letting Dak walk. Yeah, but Tom got to be willing to come there as well. I think Tom would have <laughs> came, just like he would have came to. If I would have known Tom wanted in, we could have pushed Drew Brees out. 
Yeah, but New Orleans is a way better was a way better situation than Dallas was, and I True. think that. Yeah. yeah, so. But I'm saying but, once Drew said he's coming back, Dallas was wide open. But we spent way too much time on that Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen yeah. discussion. Yeah, you, you can go ahead and cut that out, man. <laughs> you can cut that out. Yeah, but no, man, yeah, Baker ain't Baker ain't do ain't do nothing like that, man. Like what? Okay, Reg, we're gonna go ahead and get up on. We'll talk about the AFC North next week. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week. We'll we'll talk. We'll actually start with the AFC North, NFC North next week on our show. This, this is what we're going to refer to the Baker. This is how we're going to refer to Baker Mayfield from now on. Two good running backs, two good receivers, and probably the second best O-line in football. That's Baker Mayfield, what he's working with. And, and two good tight ends. I'm sorry. Okay, so we basing Austin Hooper as a good tight end off of one season in Atlanta. Because okay. you just told me Josh Allen can't be. We can't mm-hmm. crowd Josh Allen off of one season. Austin Hooper only had one good season in Atlanta. That was okay. it. Okay. And Joku okay. hasn't had a good season. He's all potential still. We haven't okay. seen anything. Jarvis Landry hasn't been good since Odell got there, and Odell hasn't been good since he got there. But what was so Odell? Odell was, those two, was, the, was those two guys good before making it to Cleveland to play with Baker? Landry was good in Cleveland. Okay. And then you get Odell. And Odell hasn't been good. Why don't you get on Baker Mayfield? Oh, okay. All right. So what happens if, if you think you, you think the same Odell we see is the same Odell you would see in Green Bay or somewhere? I hope that the I hope the old I hope that the Odell that we've been seeing isn't the Odell that we see this year. I hope he gets back to form this year. But I don't think quarterback play is the reason Odell Beckham hasn't been good. Because if that's the case, why has Jarvis Landry had success in Cleveland? N- not like how he had in Miami. His first year in Cleveland was better than anything he did in Miami. And that was it. He went from a guy that was catching 100 balls to a guy that was better. 100 balls for 800 yards. Like, he was a five-yard per catch guy in Miami. You go from that to not being not even being mentioned, Sid. That's what I'm saying. That's a huge drop-off, bro. Once again, he was mentioned. Like I said, he had his best season his first year in Cleveland. And then Odell that, got there. And Odell hasn't seen a good year in Cleveland, what, since, since and arriving there? You can't put that on Baker Mayfield. All right, see. Once again, we're going to talk about the NFC, the NFC and the AFC North. We're going to pick our division winners, make our pre- predictions about that next week. We shouldn't have got that far into that. This just you got, to clean it. you got to clean it up before we put it out, man. Yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta go in there and dig a lot of that out. But... Uh, man, great to be back on here talking yeah. football, talking sports. Got to get back to this next week so we can dive into more. I, yeah, I was just about to say, I can't wait till these division winners and all this come out. <laughs> I can't wait to get back and talk about the NFC North and AFC North next week, man. Good chopping it up with you. Appreciate everybody for listening. You boys not in my league. No. If you listen close, I'm coaching. Say key to the boy. Hella stuck without pushing a Blanco. Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco. If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto. If I don't do nothing, I'm about Blanco. Every time I do it, do it to come.